everyone, Siobhan Chapman here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Today's segment primarily focuses on this week's data releases. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Welcome, Matt. We're happy to have you. Hey, good morning, Siobhan, and thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get started. This past week delivered investors a fair amount of data to digest. What are some notable highlights and how have markets been responding to the latest data releases? Yes, thanks, Siobhan. And you're right. A fair amount of data on the economic calendar. And we actually had some retail earnings this week that helped shed some insights on the state of the consumer. So let's dive right into it. Starting with a few of the economic updates. Most of the data that we did receive this week did disappoint. So starting with a larger than expected decline for durable goods orders, as well as a weaker than expected reading for the Dallas Fed index. Continuing with the focus on manufacturing, the Richmond Fed index, Chicago PMIs, and the ISM manufacturing index readings all came in worse than expectations. In addition, we did see a disappointing consumer confidence print, and on a month-over-month basis, construction spending did fall slightly when consensus was expecting a slightly positive reading. And lastly, a lot of the Fed speak we did hear this week did lean more hawkish, as some Fed speakers suggested they'd be open-minded on a potential 50 basis point hike in March. Turning to a few of the positive prints we saw this week, in housing, we had a nice upside surprise on pending home sales during a week where we saw the 30-year fixed mortgage rate move back up above 7%. Weekly initial and continuing jobless claims again proved to be quite resilient, with both claims figures coming in below consensus expectations and providing further evidence that the labor market remains very strong. And outside of the U.S., positive developments out of China as PMIs did surprise to the upsides in China new home sales data did rise for the first time in a while. Now, turning our attention to the high-level takeaways from retail earnings this week, overall, it does appear that the inventory issues we had seen in previous quarters are largely resolved, and supply chains are now in a much better shape. We did hear from Target this week and Walmart last week, and a couple of similar takeaways from both companies, as they both did generally provide pretty conservative guidance for 2023, with a lot being driven by the macro outlook, and both did note that they are seeing weakness in more discretionary categories, while needs-based categories were pretty strong. And in home improvement, we did hear from Lowe's this week and Home Depot last week, and two similar takeaways were that both companies expect the second half of the year to be stronger than the first half of the year, and their pro business is still outpacing their DIY business. So taking everything we heard on the economic and earnings side this week, the market response was quite muted, as the S&P 500 is up just about 30 basis points so far this week, and cyclical areas of the market have been outperforming the more defensive areas. So turning to the house view for March, I understand there were changes made with respect to sector positioning. What does the performance setup look like for equities through the first half, and how should equity advisors position accordingly? So last week with our most recent house recycle, we did make quite a few changes to our S&P 500 price targets and earnings estimates, along with some sector changes. So happy to provide our rationale here. Focusing first on our price target and EPS changes, we did revise our June 2023 S&P 500 price target higher from 3,700 to 3,900. And this is largely to reflect the stronger near-term economic growth that we've been seeing. However, 
we did lower our year-end target from 4,000 to 3,800. And this is driven by our view that if the lagged effects of the Fed rate hikes do materialize, then it's now more likely that they develop later in the year versus earlier in the year, which we had previously been expecting. So in response, we do think that this could mean a larger negative impact on earnings. So we did revise down our 2023 EPS estimate from $215 per share to $210 per share, which does represent negative 4.5% year-over-year growth and is 5% below the current bottom-up consensus estimate. Now, turning over to our sector changes, in our view, a lot of the changes that we did make this month were driven by the trickier outlook ahead, as we do expect to be in a near-term environment where we'll have to be quite nimble to take advantage of opportunities in the market. So to reflect a lot of what we just discussed in that growth in the near term could end up holding up better than most investors expect. We did get a bit more balanced with our recommendations, but further out, we do still think that a defensive tilt does remain appropriate. So one of our upgrades was real estate from neutral to most preferred. And our rationale here is that long-term rates have risen really rapidly in February and could be close to their peak, which would become less of a headwind for the sector. Fundamentals for the wireless towers and data centers are still quite favorable, and concerns about oversupply in the industrial segment have subsided. And overall, we think that the sector does offer a good mix of secular and cyclical exposure that we think can work well in the context of resilient economic growth in the near term and the potential fall in longer-term interest rates. In addition, we did remove our long-standing favorable view on the healthcare sector by downgrading it from most preferred to neutral, and this is in large part due to our preferences for the consumer stable sector currently on a relative basis, as the consumer is still quite resilient, and these companies probably do have a few more months left of being able to take price effectively. But also for healthcare specifically, we've seen valuations move to a point where the risk reward is now more balanced, and there's still some policy uncertainty to come on the implementation of drug pricing provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act. And finally, we did also downgrade the communications services sector from neutral to least preferred as competition continues to intensify. We're also seeing new threats emerge with the integration of AI into search engines that will likely lead to a heavy investment cycle and pressure margins for the mega-cap incumbents. And if the U.S. economy does slip into a recession later this year, then we'd expect digital advertising spending to be at risk. So, in summary, our changes last week do reflect our view is likely to hold up better in the near term with downside pressures on the economy and profit likely to come to fruition later in the year, which is why we currently recommend a somewhat defensive tilt in portfolios. Outside of the U.S., where is CIO finding opportunity with inequities? Yeah, so this is a great question, Siobhan, because not only are U.S. equities least preferred in our global asset allocation preferences, but it's also a question we've been receiving more and more of given the headwinds to the U.S. economy. So it's very timely. But outside of the U.S. with inequities, CIO does have most preferred views on the U.K., Australia, and emerging market equities. So touching on all three here quickly. On UK and Australian equities, their respective indices do tilt toward energy and materials companies. So the tailwinds that we do see from high energy and commodity prices should benefit both regions relative to others. And if we look at UK valuations specifically, we believe it's very attractive as the MSCI UK index does trade around a 30% discount to the MSCI all country world index on a forward PE basis. And finally, on emerging market equities, 
we do think the setup from here looks quite attractive, driven by China's reopening, the subsiding U.S. dollar headwinds, and earnings momentum and revisions have bottomed versus developed countries. So in our view, along with appealing valuations, we'd expect EM equities to outperform from here. Turning to next week, what is taking place that investors should be mindful of? Yeah, so next week, we won't be receiving any major updates from the corporate earnings season as the Q4 results will essentially be in the rearview mirror at this point. But if we look at the economic calendar, it's going to be all about jobs next week with the relevant data points coming in during the second half of the week. So starting on Wednesday, we'll receive the February ADP employment survey and the JOLTS job openings reading for January. On Thursday, we'll get the weekly update on the initial and continuing jobless claims numbers. And on Friday, the February jobs report is set to be published with consensus currently expecting non-farm payrolls to grow by 215,000 jobs after we saw a strong 517,000 job print in January. And the unemployment rate is projected to be unchanged at 3.4%, which would keep the unemployment rate at its lowest reading since the late 1960s. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. We covered a lot of data releases and prepared us for next week as well. Again, today we have been joined by Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.